0: This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast.
1: Today is Wednesday, January 17th, 2024. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today this week featuring longtime friend ron feldman of apple pie capital fame principal consultant at franchise strategy solutions ron is also the incoming vice chair of the ifa's education foundation and a sitting member on the board of directors of the ifa we've got a lot of real estate to cover in this week's conversation But that all comes after I thank Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief at Entrepreneur Magazine, for all of the insightful information he shared here last week. Lots of moving parts, more than some may have expected, go into the production of the Franchise 500. And it's no wonder. It takes a strong team the better part of a year to collect, crunch, and then make sense of all the 150-plus data points that inform the final product. And top it all off with Jason being quite the storyteller and it was as much a personal pleasure as a professional one having him with us here last week. I hope you'll agree. Also, just ahead of this week's conversation with Ron Feldman, a quick reminder to please visit us at www.franchisetodaypodcast.com, where you can share comments, guest suggestions, access my blog, and also please leave a review that might encourage others to give us a listen too. Okay? Enough said about that. A quick time out, and when I return, yet another insightful conversation with my good friend and friend of franchising, Ron Feldman. Don't go away.
0: Franchise today we'll be right back but first a word from our sponsors
1: franchisors of restaurants bars and grills and multi-unit franchisees listen up this message is for you if you're looking to engage guests elevate profits and enhance your customer experience atmosphere TV is the answer what's atmosphere you ask atmosphere is the world's number one streaming TV service for businesses here to help you make more and save big on overpriced cable packages atmosphere provides you with a free programming option bringing more than 60 ultra engaging audio optional channels designed to please customers and increase their average ticket so how does it work well it's Upon sign-on, Atmosphere sends you a free device, loaded with over 60 channels of eye-grabbing entertainment. From news and sports to viral videos and fuzzy animals, every channel is family-friendly and designed to keep your customers happy and engaged. Plus, thanks to Atmosphere's 100% audio-optional format, the programming is perfect for any setting, no matter how loud or busy. So, stop playing and paying overpriced cable. Go with free TV and Instead, just go to Atmosphere.tv forward slash sign up and use the code franchise and Atmosphere will waive the usual one-time $99 activation fee for your free to stream device. Visit Atmosphere online at Atmosphere.tv and remember, use the code franchise to waive your one-time activation fee. Visit Atmosphere.tv to elevate your franchise's entertainment experience today. This week, we are joined by franchise financing icon, Ron Feldman, to talk about a host of franchise-centric issues, not the least of which includes a compelling option available to qualified franchise founders that could preclude the need for them ever to invite private equity or to leave too much on the table in terms of valuation. Ron wears many hats as a brand ambassador at Apple Pie Capital, a principal consultant to Franchise Strategy Solutions, member of the board at the IFA, an incoming vice chair of the IFA Foundation, overseeing VetFran, Diversity Fran, and Franchising gives back, among other things. Add to that a close personal friendship, and it's my esteemed privilege and honor to bring Ron Feldman to franchise today. Ron Feldman, welcome to Franchise Today.
2: Thank you, Stan. It's my pleasure to be here.
1: I don't remember having you on when any time in the recent past, Ron, where it was just you and me. Might have had you on when Paul and I were still working together. What's your memory?
2: I remember the first time, actually, it will expose our ages. Uh, It was probably (laughs) 2010 and somebody happened to be listening and I ended up getting a huge brand sale as a result of my being on that podcast.
1: Well, that warms my heart. I love hearing news like that. I just got news like that from a franchisor that was on a couple of weeks ago and warms my heart every time. Makes me feel like it's with purpose that I do what I do. And I enjoy it. It's a labor of love for me. Get to talk around the entire world of franchising without having to hop on planes to do it. It's kind of nice.
2: It sure is. I, uh, I am a full con- convert from not being on planes.
1: Well, we'll talk about all that and more today, Ron, but we have to start the way we always do we don't discover franchising. It finds us. And in your case, we're going to expose your age yet again, I suppose, because you're going to take us back to when that inflection point in time occurred and tell us what were you doing when that happened and what did it look like?
2: Well, I was uh, I was involved in a roll-up of the burglar alarm business having nothing to do with franchising. And my wife was looking for a job. She's an early child educator and interviewed to be the director of a thing, a new brand named The Goddard School. She came back and said, hey Ron, this is a franchise. And I did a little bit of research and I found out that the franchise was owned by Tony Martino, uh, a gentleman who launched Amco and Mako. So he knew what he was doing. It was a fledgling franchise, but with the backing of someone who knew how to build a brand. And uh, we ended up signing a franchise agreement and becoming franchisees. And ultimately, when I got out of the alarm business and we sold the business, I became part of Tony's inner circle. And he said, you have a finance background. Can you help me get my Mako franchisees financed? I'm having some frustration. And I said, sure. And one thing led to another. And before I knew it, I was a contractor on the Mako development team and launched the finance business with Nate Greenberg and Bernie Siegel.
1: Put a year on that. 95 to 2002, all of that happened. So I didn't realize that when I first encountered you and Nate and Bernie was 97 when I was at Blimpy, I think. And so you were only a couple of years in the business at that point.
2: Yes, I was just a couple of years in the business.
1: Well, I just learned another tidbit of information. I usually learn something every day. I thought you'd been around much longer than that.
2: No, early mid '90s, just about 30 years.
1: So, talk about those early days at Siegel Financial Group, and what was the infrastructure role did you play as you entered the business?
2: Well, Bernie Siegel, you know, bigger than life guy who was not very, who is not very big. He's, you know he looks just like Danny DeVito, had a business brokerage business that I knew him through the Philadelphia business community. I had actually bought a business from him that wasn't franchised and he was very frustrated in the whole packaging of financing for people buying and selling businesses and had this idea to create a packaging company that would match borrowers with banks, kind of like what lending tree became in mortgages, but long before that happened. I got involved with him. Then we brought in Nate, who was Bernie's son-in-law, who still is Bernie's son-in-law. And uh, we built that business up. We were Bernie's exit plan when he was going to retire, which by the way, he still hasn't. And we bought the business. Uh, Our timing wasn't so great. It was May of 2008 that we actually took possession of the business. And then in September of 2008, the uh, the sky literally fell on the financing markets.
1: We remember those days all too well. Yes. And
2: we became very involved at that point with IFA. On the advocacy side, the SBA was making some really stupid decisions, as many government agencies do at the time. And being so close to Washington, D.C. and Philadelphia, it was easy to hop on a train and go yell at our congresspeople, which I kind of took the lead on that. And all of a sudden, everyone in the franchising world knew who we slash I was because I had kind of become the voice of reason for franchising on Capitol Hill and franchise finance on Capitol Hill. And that then led to me finding a bank or we found a bank, Uh, that was willing to put out commitments for $400 million for franchise brands that had a low likeliness of defaulting. And I engaged with Daryl Johnson at Frandata, and we created a brand scoring model together. And the rest is history that's what got it all started. We were able to deploy a lot of that money, actually kind of outsold the bank's ability to perform. And we helped a lot of people at that time. Fast forward to a couple of years later, I had exited that business and went to work with Daryl at Frandata, where we created some of the products that are used still today in franchise finance, the fund report, the bank credit report, and met someone there named Denise Thomas, who was starting up this franchise finance company named Apple Pie Capital. And she was leaning on me and my role as an advisor at Frandata. And in 2017, she was able to convince not only me, but a gentleman by the name of Randy Jones, who had a company named Funding Solutions, who was my frenemy for the last 15 years, to both join Apple Pie Capital within a week of each other without either of us knowing it until the very end. When we got to Apple Pie, it was not a startup, it had made a few loans. Uh, We did 17 million the first year And we did 508 million last year. And I had a little, not little, a big health scare last year and decided to not be in the pressure cooker of trying to grow at 40 or 50% every year and became an advisor to Apple Pie and launched my own little franchise consulting company. And that's the last 30 years and however many minutes that
1: was. Where did the name Apple Pie come from, Ron? Is there a story behind the name? There is. Denise
2: is very creative and she had her brain trust to her house for dinner to come up with a name for this new business. And everything today is driven by what URLs are available. And, you know, most people want URLs that end in .com, not all the other ones. And they came up with a whole bunch of names and nobody liked any of them. And then she brought out dessert and it was her specialty, which was apple pie. And that's how the company was named.
1: I just knew there had to be a story there.
2: Yeah. It pushed every button. It's an it's an American thing. It's easy as apple pie. And you know, the apple pie's premise is that it'll be faster, easier, and more predictable than traditional lending. You know, that's been proven out
1: to the case. It's a great story. So you've gotten yourself out of the pressure cooker, but into something that from what little I've heard from you sounds quite innovative, certainly quite creative, albeit perhaps like other ventures where you been involved in putting pools of brands together it's a select few who get to play so What's it look like?
2: Well, I have a couple of core values. I'm not the type to ever retire. And I just, I, I, had a, I had a very surprised heart attack and emergency triple bypass surgery a year and a half ago. And in coming out of that, I wanted to become the nudge and the advocate. So I'll take my opportunity with the microphone now and say to everyone that my cholesterol number was 112 and I had a 98% blockage in my Widowmaker. So don't rely on those numbers to get a false sense of security. Make sure that you go further and do the further testing beyond saying, oh, my cholesterol's great. I don't need to, uh, to, to worry about things. Genetics trump good lab results. So I, I had a few core principles. One is it had to have something to do with better unit economics. In franchising, and this is something Tony Martino taught me back in Goddard days and MAKO days. you know, the guy was brilliant. He said, franchising is simple as long as franchisees make money. And that's kind of been my, And having been a franchisee three times, I use that as my filter for most everything I try to do. And so I found a few companies that align with that value. The other value that I had was that there's good private equity and there's not so good private equity. And that founders who work their butts off to build great, brands many times leave too much on the table and sell out too early. So the first company I joined was in that realm and I became kind of the U.S. ambassador uh, evangelist for Diversified Royalty Corporation, which is a company that allows a founder to monetize their EBITDA without giving up any equity in their business. We could do a show on how you do that, an entire show on that, but it is an option that every founder out there should know about. It is a brilliant way for a founder who has A, the desire, B, the ability, and C, the white space available to build their business so that the upsized private equity returns that all of the PE firms and franchising seem to be getting would stay with the founder and their family. And they are out of Canada. This is not a new thing. They've been doing it there for 20 some years with a number of very well-respected Canadian brands. They brought it down to the States, uh, have done one transaction so far in the US and looking for some some new brands and some new founders to work with. The requirement, however, is this is not necessarily growth capital. It's for someone who's already at scale. If you don't have three to four million in EBITDA already, and that EBITDA can't include initial franchise fees. You're not really a candidate yet, but I welcome a conversation with all founders of any size so that they know that when the time is right, that this is something that they should look
1: tell hey you what, Ron, why don't we park on that and take a quick break, a timeout for us to pay some bills. And then when we come back, let's talk more about this. And also the crystal ball side of life, Ron, I'm going to ask for a one, three, five-year lookout in the post-COVID world that we're living in and the changes that we've experienced since COVID and try to get some prognostication from you as to what you see on the horizon. We're talking today with Ron Feldman. We could call him a lot of titles, a lot of different things. I call Ron the iconic franchise finance guy, the goat to guy for years and years, and we're going to talk more about what he sees ahead. This is Franchise Today. I'm Stan Friedman. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
0: Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors.
1: In today's world, franchisors must apply systems that manage and support all aspects of franchise relationships, whether it's supporting prospective franchisees on their discovery journeys or getting units open and properly supported, whether it's managing legal compliance and royalties or managing franchisee location and ownership information. I'm talking about FRM solutions and the power of one, one system, one tool that manages it all for multiple stakeholders across a single brand, or across an entire enterprise for multi-branded portfolio companies. Yes, a single instance of FRM is all it takes across departments and across brands. One system providing a single source of truth that will push Pull and integrate with data from other sources. Plus, FRM offers dynamic and comprehensive dashboarding and robust reporting with customizations available across all departments and brands. So replace inflexible, take it or leave it platforms with a more personal approach and satisfy the needs of many with the power of one. FRM Solutions, the only one that lets you have it your way. Visit FRMSolutions.com to learn more or to order up a demo today. And we're back with Ron Feldman, Brand Ambassador at Apple Pie Capital, Principal Consultant to Franchise Strategy Solutions, and Incoming Vice Chair of the IFA Foundation, as well as a sitting board member on the IFA board. So the old saying goes, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. You've got some other projects going in addition to all this, Ron, don't you?
2: In addition, I have three or four other clients, one of which is ProfitKeeper. Many people are aware of ProfitKeeper. It hit my unit economic and profitability core value right on the nuts. I don't know if I can say that. I guess I can say that. This is not broadcast TV. You can Uh, say anything
1: you feel comfortable (laughs) saying.
2: (laughs) Gotcha. So ProfitKeeper basically allows for the aggregation and slicing and dicing of franchisee P&L and balance sheet information in a way that benefits. It's not only the franchisor. And again, I put my franchisee lens on, franchisors, once my financials, that's big brother in my business. That's not what ProfitKeeper does. ProfitKeeper will give dashboards and analysis to the franchisee in a simple, easy to understand graphic model that a franchisee doesn't need to have an accounting degree or a finance degree or have a FP&O person to look at. In addition, it will help franchisors in that before that field business consultant goes out, they'll actually... Know whether the unit's profitable, where they're missing on their KPIs. It's just an amazing tool that many huge brands and franchising currently use. They have over, I think they have fifty thousand users now. I can't say enough good things about them. Then I have a couple of brand new startups that are not quite ready for publication yet. One that aggregates menu pricing and ingredient data that will be launched, I hope, in the first half of 2024, and another that uses the camera network in for right now, a restaurant to score that restaurant against a brand's operations manual purely as a SaaS product, no real CapEx needed by the franchisee. So those are the three on the unit economic piece. And the last one is as simple as a QR code can be, Doc Cohen and I are working with a company called ActivateMe that has the coolest QR code that everyone needs to know about. It is geofensible, it is sequential, meaning every time it is scanned, it can create a different action. And all of that is decided by the client. In addition to that, the client gets all of the data underlying all of the scans. Uh, It also has integration with Apple and Google Wallet. If you have a national ad fund and you're spending money, this is a way for you to make it more effective at not a high cost. Wendy's did a huge promotion during the Daytona 500 last year. And at at the highest peak, they were doing 5,300 scans a second of this QR code. So those are the other companies I work with. Again, I have my set of core principles and I'm going to stick with it. I did this to not work as hard, Stan, because I also turned 60 at the same time as all this happened. And I think I'm working harder now, but I'm working on things that I have a lot of passion and working with many brands that are at the startup and development stage, which is kind of what gets me excited
1: about things. I like building things. It sounds inspiring. And I think you can work harder and smarter and at a different pace than all the travel. Just take travel out of the equation and you're already working with a lot less stress. So what's it
2: doing airplanes today? I mean, it's just painful. To be flying domestically right
1: now. Well, Ron, you've had a vantage point coming through the COVID crisis working across so many brands and seeing so much of what you see, both wearing your franchise finance hat as well as your government relations hat. We're at a crazy time right now in so many ways and government, of course, still playing a large role in that. So what do you see when you look out one, three and five years? What do you see the impact, if any, that we're making on Capitol Hill or at the states with joint employment and labor relations and where's franchising heading?
2: Well, I'll put my IFA hat on. I I have the privilege of sitting on the board of the IFA and I'm going to be the vice chair of the IFA Foundation starting in February. Everyone listening to this owes a thank you to the IFA. And IFA doesn't brag enough, in my opinion. Everyone out there who got a PPP loan in franchising can thank the IFA. And it's as simple as that. I was involved on those phone calls with Matt Haller and the whole GR team with Marco Rubio's staff where the PPP legislation was drafted. And I can't say enough about the job that was done. Robert Cressanti, who was the CEO at the time, was texting with Steve Mnuchin every day, multiple times, and Steve Mnuchin kept changing the rules. If everybody remembers that. Everyone at Apple Pie has PTSD from that. Apple Pie did 4,700 PPP loan applications in 48 days. Wow. Yeah, we were all working 6 a.m. till 2 a.m., seven days a week, and I can't say enough about it. Now, looking forward, there's a lot of headwinds. There's a lot of challenges. Franchising has survived all of them and franchising will survive these. The biggest threat, the existential threat is the joint employer rule, which for those of you that don't understand it, basically makes the franchisor a joint employer of the franchisees employees, ostensibly making franchisees middle management of the franchisor. and Destroying the equity that they have in their business, and the fact that they borrowed money from someone like Apple Pie or the SBA or Wells Fargo or anyone, sign personal guarantees on those loans, and don't don't have any control over their employees. That is the existential threat. The current administration is trying to change the rule. This has been tried to change five or six times in the last 15 years. From having direct control over the employees, which is the correct way of defining who the employer is to having potential influence, or I don't remember the exact words, over employees. And therein lies the problem. It's all being driven by organized labor and they've spent something north of $300 million of their constituents dues to try and buy this legislation. And it needs to go away. So IFA right now is leading a fight of a congressional review of this change that was made at the National Labor Relations board that they can undo what this new joint employer standard is. I always look at the market stand to see if the market believes that's going to happen. I think the market is a good predictor and specifically the M&A market at the franchisor level, because those values would be driven way down because franchisors cannot exist on 5 6 or 7% royalties if all of the franchisees, employees, labor issues bubble up to them. I've not yet seen a huge discount in where franchisor valuations are. So I think the market doesn't believe that it's going to happen at the level that it's going to happen, but still it needs to be eliminated. From the state level, the great Republic of California comes up with a lot of bad legislation. There was a bill called the FAST Act that passed, that the governor signed, that IFA spent a lot of money and and raised a lot of money to get that undone and put on a ballot initiative. And ultimately, that was settled and it's Gone away, But it has gone away at the cost of a $20 minimum wage for quick service restaurant employees in California. So California is not a great state to be franchising in. And I think you're going to see franchisors either not build there. I know you will see franchisors not build there and or buy units back and operate them corporately in California. From a crystal ball standpoint, I think if people are not building, if your business is doing well and you're you know, you're know, in a great brand, and even with all of the supply chain issues and your labor rates are higher and everything's higher. So it costs more money to open a unit, including interest rates. And interest rates are, I think, at the peak. If I knew for sure, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast. I'd probably be on an island somewhere. <laughs> uh, but I ask everyone the same question. If you're looking at rent, TI's, construction, costs, supply chain, and labor inflation, and you're not building because interest rates are high, then my question is, which of the other five is ever going to go down? And I don't think any of those are going down. Maybe right. maybe, yeah, maybe, HVAC comes down in price a little bit, but interest rates is the only one that's going to come down. It's a question of when. And if your business is strong enough to support some higher debt service payments while that's happening, then you should continue to look. And if the country goes into a bit of a downturn, which it seems like it already is, although we've been saying this now for two years. I just read today that small business delinquencies are up and small business defaults. Faults are up, not franchising, but SBA. If it does slow down, then you might have a better deal getting some real estate. But there's a lot of brands vying for limited real estate. And part of that is nobody's coming out of the ground with a new shopping center with these interest rates where they are. So, my advice to existing franchisees and new franchisees who are afraid to build or afraid to open because of just the interest rate issue, I think you're making a mistake.
1: What about the labor side, Ron, and the great disappearance? of people wanting to work?
2: Well, I think COVID changed everything. People who do want to work, want to work remotely. And I feel horrible for the younger side of our workforce because if they're working remotely, they're not getting the mentorship and the camaraderie that we all had growing up going to an office. But technology is just going to replace that labor. It already has. Look at the kiosks in every fast food business that you have. The fact that they're pushing drive-through automation. The, the one company that I have with the cameras that scores all the food that goes out remotely with AI. So I think you're just going to see technology taking over. McDonald's has already opened a personless restaurant in Colorado. There's going to be plenty of jobs for those that know how to fix the machines and fix the robots. But uh, those entry level jobs for high school kids and part time jobs for college kids, they're not going to exist. I think technology will take over. That's what's going to happen.
1: And then at the franchise or level at large, at the growth of new and emerging brands, do you see massive changes there that are part and parcel of the roll-up companies and the portfolio companies that have emerged out of COVID? It was private equity for the past 20 years that was putting the umbrella up over a group of brands. Now we've got brands that are buying other brands and creating their own umbrella and portfolio companies. This consolidation is something that you continue to see happening on the horizon. And what does that look like from your purview?
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not going to stop. There's a, you know, there's a new platform seems like it's born every month, whether it's three brands, one brand buying two others or a private equity firm, Putting a bunch of their investments under one umbrella, and that shared service model works for some of the functions of the, of each brand. I think it's important that each brand have its own DNA and its own culture. So if you want to if you want to merge things like accounting and legal, that makes sense. I think the the jury's still out on merging Frandev and and having you know one development person selling five brands. I think that the platform business is horrible for founders who want to get out. If you are acquired as a bolt on to a platform, your brand, if you're a founder, you're now middle management. You went from being the employer and the chief cook and bottle washer to being a president of a portfolio brand that reports up to an executive team at the platform brand that reports up to the PE firm. So to as a founder, be able to make that transition or get all the way out. So I think there's a place for them. I think franchising still learning what you can and you can't merge together. And You got some great examples that have been around for decades, like Neighborly and Focus Brands and now inspire brands where they seem to be doing things the right way. And I think if you're on the entry-level side of that platform thing, you probably want to look at case studies about them. I think there's a big disconnect in franchising to churn it up real big and get out as a franchise. I think brands are being started with a two to three to five year horizon before they're going to sell out. Franchising doesn't move that quickly. And that's the reason it's been a safe investment for so many years. When you build a brand the right way, it becomes kind of bulletproof unless something catastrophic happens. When you build it so fast or you have a thousand sold and you're only opening 30 a year, Mm -hmm. you're going to be devalued by whoever that investor is. It's not adding value. Having a big sold, not open number that you can't ever catch up with is actually devaluing your brand. So I also think franchising is learning with all the broker networks and the FSOs out there. What is the right velocity to grow a franchise brand? Jimmy John, back in the day, would never sell you a multi-pack day one. He would sell you one and see how things worked out. And then he, if, if it was good after a period of time, he'd sell you 10 more. Now, everyone's jumping for that big initial franchise fee or the big commission. And you end up with the first unit either never opening or coming out of the ground or the territory horribly, and you don't want them to open anymore. It's not in anyone's best interest for them to open. Or they open five at once because it was a bunch of, I call it dumb money and no great operator, open five at once and all five of them performed poorly. So I think velocity is something, if I had my crystal ball, something that we're going to see toned down and slow and steady growth more so than fast and wild, wild west growth.
1: We've got time for two more questions, Ron, and one of them is going to be contact information for the audience to find you again. But the other one is... What is it that I haven't asked you today, Ron, that you wished I did?
2: I think I went into a little bit of a commercial for the IFA. I think the question you didn't ask me is, why is it important for me to belong to the IFA? And I talked about all the GR stuff, all the government relations stuff, and how the IFA is our advocate on Capitol Hill and in these state fights. It all started in Seattle, if you remember. And that's one side of the IFA. The other side is IFA, at the foundation level, has the Diversity Institute. It has Vet franchising gives back. In addition to that, IFA has programming and education and a, and a credential called the CFE that if you're in franchising, you should go take the classes and have. So I think that's really important for not just franchisors and franchisees, but also for suppliers. Uh, having been a supplier to franchising forever, there's no better way to meet people in franchising than going to an in-person CFE class and sitting with people. I met one of the most important mentors to me in a CFE class in 2006 or 2006, I don't remember. Someone named Shelly Sun. When Shelly Sun had, I don't know, 30 units and she's built that into the bright star care of today, and one of the jewels that is in franchise. So I would say that's the question you didn't answer. Now, the other one is what my contact info? Well, probably the easiest way is LinkedIn. My email is ron at franchisestrategysolutions.com for the consulting side and ron at applepiecapital.com for the lending. side. both easy to uh,
1: to remember. That's terrific, Ron. This time has kind of just blown right by. I, I could sit here and listen to you talk for hours. And I'm happy so- to engage you in that, Stan. I love <laughs> microphones. Um, we do. You have a format, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we'll have to make you break it up into several conversations and have you back more often because you're just a font of information and you're so easy to listen to. It's kind of like difference between four inches of rain falling in five hours or an all-day soaker coming down nice, steady, and easy and the ground can absorb it all. That's how I feel when I'm talking with you and it's always always a pleasure. My friend Ron, thank you again for sharing so much with the franchise community at large for so many years.
2: Thank you, Stan. and It's my pleasure and Go birds.
1: Well, that does it for today. Next week, another personal fave as Dave Mortensen, co-founder and president of Anytime Fitness and Self-Esteem Brands, pays us a visit. And I'm really looking forward to that conversation as well. So until next Wednesday at noon Eastern, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out.
0: Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchises. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.